We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fucking ball. That gets a free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. This show is also brought to you by the Big Screen Sports Patreon group and our producer-level patrons, our big chill patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mykoski, and Andrew Teagle. In addition to supporting the show, patrons get voting privileges, episode notes, schedule and guest updates, a sticker, and all of my unwavering gratitude. All equally great things. Uh, shout out to all the patrons supporting the show. We've got a great episode three of Romcom Month today. Caroline Darney and Mike Golick Jr. returning to the pod talking about Set It Up. Let's dive in. All right, joining me tonight for episode three of Romcom Month, returning to the pod, she is my co-chair in the Glenn Powell fan club from Bet for the Win. It's Caroline Darney. Caroline, how are you doing? I could not be more excited to talk about a movie than I am right now. I legit, unless maybe we did Battleship on a future episode or Connor. Okay, there's a long list like this, but this is up there for like, movies that caroline absolutely loves and is obsessed with so i cannot wait i'm glad i already told you ahead of time i need 45 minutes to give my ode to glenn powell like i'm ready i'm excited for this i mean he's a king and when we do board game month when we do battleship and clue (laughs) i guess jumanji i think that that rounds it out for the board games we're we're doing battleship but uh we had to bring on had to bring on another special returning guest for this episode he is fun employed he is Mike Golick Jr. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I, I am great. I am excited for this. And now Caroline's got me thinking of like movies I would potentially somehow be more excited. And the answer is probably Con Air and Pacific Rim. So yes. if, you, if you ever get to giant fighting robot movies, I will be your guy for that one because I've got a hard policy. If it involves the apocalypse, alien invasion, or giant fighting robots, I have to watch it. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I mean, we'll just line all those up. Um, <laughs> so I'm just now I'm thinking about the Idris Elba speech at the end, like reset the clock. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a chills. lot to take in. 
<laughs> Man, why don't we have an Idris Elba rom-com? It's probably a topic for another another podcast, but like... Oh, be still wow. my beating heart. <laughs> I know, man, but... Isn't for, everything for this... he is, everything he's in is basically a rom-com to me. <laughs> That's a good point. I am a. I watched the first season of Luther, and mm. I'm just a huge fan of that just because of Idris Elba just saying the word. I'm not going to do the British accent, but just like someone telling him how the the crime looks on paper and he's like but that's not right is it like that's not it is it it's just great it works every every single time he's oh. he's fantastic but tonight we're we're here talking about a special movie a movie that we'll get into something like this but they don't really make them like this anymore we don't we don't get rom-coms like this anymore um th- this one being from this this i guess our previous decade but being recent is like it's it's a breath of fresh air this is set it up a 2018 rom-com two corporate executive assistants hatch a plan to match make their two bosses it starred glenn powell zoe deitch lucy Liu, and tay diggs this is a netflix movie it's streamable you can turn this one on as comfort food whenever uh, caroline for you was this was this an instant hit the, the first time mm. you watched it the second you were done was this like this is this is my movie yeah, and he, first of all, like Glenn Powell, like I joke about, you know, my ode to him, but that's exactly my like humor and the delivery of some of his lines is just exactly like he's perfect. And he's like, he's just, he's handsome, but he's not like over the top in your face. Like it's gonna, it's, you know, like he's good looking, but not so good looking that you can't like, that it feels uncomfortable to look at him for too long. Cause that's definitely a thing that exists, Henry Cavill. Um, but it's like, and then she's so relatable for me like there's like we'll get into the haha texting like oh my god the exclamation points thing that he mentions it's just like and like you said it was one of those i turned it on and you're like oh netflix movie like how good is it gonna be and i think that really set a standard for like what they can do and if i'm not mistaken which is off to a terrible start if i am wrong but isn't it it was written by women and it has the feeling that it was written by it feels like it understands women better than a lot of other rom-coms maybe if i am getting it just like it just felt more like a person that you would either relate to or that you would know and so i think that's why it was such a hit for me and it's just funny first of all i mean there's still some parts where i'm like okay it's a little over the top but i just really enjoyed it and it's it's held up for me like it's like you said the comfort food thing i could throw that on in the background and i'll work and do stuff and like laugh at the right times and then yeah, I'm like, oh, that was a nice little background noise distraction. It's always nice. I love it. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, we'll talk about the authenticity of this one because I think that comes through in spades. But yeah, you're right. Uh, written by Katie Silberman, uh, last name that I hope I pronounce right, but I'm sure I'm wrong. Uh, directed by Claire Scanlon. So this, you know, by women for everyone. Yes. Um, so good. Mike, you are a first time watcher of Set It Up. When, you know, when we hit, when you hit end credits, what, what, what went through your head? It was just what you guys said. It was comfort food. And it was exactly what rom-com should be, right? No more, no less. And I think that element of me realizing that now we have some rom-com starting to be made with us in mind. It was sort of like how people said that, you know, we were looking at the Super Bowl halftime show this year going, finally, they didn't do one full of old acts. They did one for us. And then we all realized, oh, bleep, that's because we're old now. So it, it, it is nice to see some of those modern elements of it, obviously working in sports backgrounds, certainly seeing that element of this, you know, coming from Lucy Lou's side and that whole agency and the things that are built up off of that. Like it was cool to see some of that, those bits of connective tissue, but just in general, like this felt like 
you know, something's got to give. And a lot of the rom-coms that I grew up on finally, you know, morphing themselves into something that was a little more of me, which was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Mike, we've got the explicit tag on the show, so you can let it fly. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Shit. All right. I'm, all, I'm always worried. I, you know, I had a few glasses of wine on the IG live cooking earlier. So daddy's a little sauced up right now, ready to talk about set it up. Oh, let it fly. Let it fly. So the, the thing, I mean, the thing that all rom-coms center around is our pairing. The pairing, that's if yeah. the pairing does not work, the, the movie does not work, doesn't matter how good all the other aspects are. This pairing, the Glenn Powell, Zoe Deitch pairing is just out of this world good. And they were two years prior there and everybody wants some, which for me is a top five baseball movie. It's easily a top five sports movie the last the last decade. I just love, love, love everybody wants some. But they were not paired up in that movie. They both had Glenn Powell is like. I mean, the BDE and everybody wants some is just it, incredible. Just through the roof. Like the guy is just it dripping. Uh, it, <laughs> Zoe Deitch has a smaller role, reduced role in that movie, but she's delightful. Getting them together in this, like this is for me, a rom-com pairing that I would love to see them run back a few times. Like yeah. I would be fine if we got this in, you know, three years and, you know, and then another in, in eight years. And I just, Caroline, I want to start with you when you think like rom-com pairings, how far back do you have to go to find a pairing that you like better than these two together? Oh, that I like. So I was thinking about this, you know, as I was preparing and I had written down a bunch of like, you know, rom-coms that are my favorites or my go-tos. And I was like, you know, I really love this pairing. I love the pairing from Crazy Rich Asians, which I think is another, and to the point what we were just talking about, I was thinking a lot about the ones that I really, really like, <laughs> like they're not that relatable in like any way whatsoever. Like I was like, okay, uh, Mama Mia, not relatable. <laughs> I do sing ABBA a lot, but I, you know, um, how to lose a guy in 10 days, not super relatable. Um, but honestly, this might be one of my, I really, I'm a sucker for 27 dresses. That's one that I know is not mm -hmm. usually on the top of everyone's list, but I think it was. And it was like, should be by the way, it because it's be incredible. And so I really like that, you know, Catherine Heigl and James Marsden, I thought had that really good chemistry. Cause again, I like that witty, like funny where it's just like Zoe and Glenn, like, I really think that they like each other or you know, like, I know that they're not together in real life, like whatever. Um, it's the same vibes that you get, like watching like Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield together or, um, and so I think, I might even go all the way back to Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman and while you were sleeping, <laughs> which might Shout be like Bill my Pullman. favorite rom-com. I don't know. Like I just absolutely love that movie. Again, not super relatable. Like I don't save men from train tracks in Chicago very often. Um, but you know, I think that's probably, you know, like people always say like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, like they're great. They're really good. I thought this was just much more like, electric i don't know i think they might be my favorite Hanks and ryan know. are also they're in like a different in, in those movies both in sleepless and in you've got mail they're kind of in a different stage of life than than these two are um these two yeah. if anything remind me a little more of of billy crystal and billy crystal and meg ryan kind of a yeah. little closer to that stage but still it's a lot younger mike who do you tie these two this pair yeah so uh, billy crystal and meg ryan always you know hold a very special play just because again the on-screen chemistry was so effortless and i think when caroline mentioned that this was written by women with that understanding it made me realize like 
oh, that's why there was such a natural respect for everyone's screen time on there. Like no one dominated the basketball. Everyone shared it because there was this understanding that everyone's voice was equal in this thing. So that's kind of good context to have in all this. That's what I feel like when Harry met Sally was like for me, like I always go back and this is sort of, as Caroline mentioned, the relatability of this. Rachel McAdams to me was always the perfect female lead of rom-coms her and Ryan Gosling, whether it's, you know, the notebook or crazy, stupid love, like you have very natural chemistry. That's part of like, you know, the, I hate you banter. I mean, Rachel McAdams even kind of throws, you know, it's, I mean, in the notebook, Oh, oh, I hate you now. Like there's all that stuff, but she always really personified like the woman you would like to marry from the movie that you watch. And this is again, just kind of like the updated software for all of this stuff where you take Take that great chemistry and you bring it to two people that kind of speak more of the language that all of us do now. That's such a good point. That's that's the right answer, by the way. Mike, yeah, that's the right answer. I They're it. so <laughs> seamless together. The thing with when you bring up Rachel McAdams, when I announced rom-com month, there was a couple of people who were like, Oh, you should do about time. Oh my and I don't I don't consider about time a rom-com because that's like that's a movie I like to have a good cry to. <laughs> That movie's <laughs> devastating. That's the other thing. Like, I also don't think the one my one beef, I guess, with Mike's answer is I don't think that the notebook is a rom com. Yeah. <laughs> because that's also like rip my heart out and like make me ugly oh. cry in public. Man. But, that movie also, yeah. you you could make an argument that that parts of the notebook are the unintentional comedy hall of fame, though. <laughs> also, <laughs> <laughs> about time, by the way, maybe outside of something about Mary the best use of in-movie sound as a part of the track of anything that you'll see with the in-house band. So I digress. I mean, about time is I'm, I'm, I'm not emotionally, I, I'll never emotionally recover from that, that ping pong scene, but um, Caroline, I'll kick to you. Is this a hall of fame, all-star starter or bench warmer rom-com? It is. I am trying to like, be realistic and not let myself get super carried away with like recency bias stuff. Cause it's, I think it's on my all-star hall of fame, like border right there. Like right now, if I was like desert Island had to take a rom- like a couple rom-coms, this would be near the top of the list for me. But, um, you know, I mentioned 27 dresses. I love 10 things I hate about you. I think that's just like a side effect when I, how old I am. Um, Bridget Jones diary, same thing. Like, I don't think you can be in your mid thirties and not love Colin Firth if you're like, a red-blooded American woman, whatever, or British, whatever, you know what I mean. Um, the holiday, shout out to Alex. She also excellent film. Uh, I mean, the holiday, the holiday is great. The holiday is just fantastic, it's wonderful. So yeah, those are probably the ones near the top. And then I, I've mentioned a couple of the other like classics for me that I that I put in rotation. Notting Hill still get like I'm Hugh, oh. Hugh Grant gets a little bit of that, you know, like moppish, like, but I still really enjoy those you know some of those movies and so i won't i won't i won't say that i'm above some Notting hill every once in a while but Notting hill is my favorite hugh grant because i he is capable hugh grant like he's not and everything else he's kind of a fucking doofus like it which works to his it, it works like he makes it work yeah. he's very like apple you know like in um in two weeks notice like he's he's just a big like man baby who's really rich but like and Notting Hill, he's kind of like a capable human. I think I think that actually works in a rom-com. But Mike, I know you've got fresh eyes, but Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer? So I will put this one, I will kind of skew in between and say it's an all-star reserve since NBA All-Star Weekend is upon us right now. 
And, and this is one of those things, like Caroline mentioned, unfortunately, rom-coms are kind of like baking. It takes time for all of this to really get to a place where it's going to get acknowledged. The recency bias almost hurts it here because so yeah. much of these have been baked into like our perception of on-screen love. I mean, something's got to give was my go-to movie, like date movie when I was in high school. Like that was so ingrained in who I am, like crazy, stupid love, love and other drugs. I don't even love and other drugs qualifies again. Like there's comedy in there. It is a very like a much heavier movie, but all of that stuff is sat a lot longer, but to come in and do, like, I always say, like, in a different realm, as far as modern Christmas movies, what Elf did was unprecedented to be able to kick the doors in and immediately become part of canon. This is certainly, like, knocking on the door if it has not stepped fully through the, you know, the archway yet. Have you guys seen Because I Said So? Or is that one of the... That's oh, wait, wait, with wait. With Mandy Moore and um, what's his name that was in Suits? Harvey? Um, I have, Sean I have not. Sean William Scott. It's like anyway. It's like the mom like sets up. She oh, wants yes. uh, anymore to get married. And she, oh, like, it's it's a Diane. It's a Diane Keaton movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's why I recognize it. I have a very yeah. like you want to talk about rom rom com female leads that have a special place in my heart. It is Diane Keaton. She is nails. So Mike, big big father of the bride guy. Then yes. <laughs> oh, big big time. Lauren Graham's in it and Lorelai from a. Uh, Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Girls. Anyway, sorry. I just had to throw them. That's like my dark horse one. That's like the one when it's on. I'm like, oh, because I said so is on. And I don't know if anyone else has like ever even seen it. So just my plug for um, because I said so. I've got to put that on the list. That, I mean, rom-coms are kind of like sports movies and that it is worth giving every single one a chance. Like there's 100%. They, a lot yeah. of them have a low, have a, uh, have a high floor, but this one, it's a strong all-star for me, but with where movies are going now and like what gets made, what gets just turned into a mini series or show Netflix or something, it wouldn't shock me if in like 10 years we look back and it's like, Oh, that, that might've been the best rom-com of the last 15 years. Like it could, it could hold water like that as we, as we go. I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised. Cause it's just, it's delightful. I think, the rewatchability factor and the fact that it's a Netflix movie. So it's never leaving is going to be huge for it because like movies go in, you know, go in swings with when they come on streaming, when they don't like this one is, it's always going to be there if you need it. So I think, I think that's going to help as well. Um, there was not a lot of IMDb trivia for this. And I will say this is one of the first times ever. I didn't need the IMDb trivia for this one because at the Yankees game, um, do you guys know who Zoe Deitch's mom is? No, no, her mom is Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. She's Lorraine McFly. What? Yes. Wow. And so at the Yankees game, Power of Love plays. Wow. From Back to the Future. Oh, this, this is bad podcasting, but this is stunned silence that's well earned from me. I know. I was about to say, <laughs> let, let's pause Let's pause and everyone let that sink in. Yeah, that is, I mean. Wow. Next time you see this movie, you will see it. Oh, Man. Well, I had thought I had fun trivia because the the old woman, the older woman that's sitting with the older gentleman at the game, that's like, is that your boyfriend? And she's like, no. He's like, good. The woman that's with the older guy is um, Glenn Powell's grandmother, and he Indeed took her to the um, premiere, or like he's taken her to red carpets. Oh so man, like, he Bra- he Bradley Coopered this thing. Yeah, that's yeah. son of a bitch. So <laughs> if so you cute. follow Glenn Powell on Instagram, Which big you family should. guy. Yeah, big, big family guy, family Glenn guy. Powell. The interesting thing about Glenn Powell and where we're at now, and Caroline, we were we were texting about this as far as like Top Gun. 
that that movie was supposed to come out in summer 2020. Yeah. And that would have taken Glenn Powell to just a different level of on the consciousness. Because right now, like, you don't really, like, he was in this. He's great and everybody wants him. Almost no one saw it. Uh, Bane knocked him out in The Dark Knight. So that's that's notable. Other than that, yeah, in the uh, in the he was um he was in the hidden figures. Yes. He oh, was in, yeah. He was in hidden figures. He was in um, hidden figures. And so apparently he actually auditioned to be the main character in Top Gun Two, or in Top Gun Maverick, whatever. Didn't get the role, but they liked him so much they legitimately created the role for him. Like that was like the thing that came, he was so liked and wow. thought well for the genre if you will i think they created a spot for him i didn't think about that that timing feels rather important to this movie because it's almost like chris pratt in the office where if guardians of the galaxy had come out before he was introduced as andy dwyer on there there's probably a different tenor in the way that he's both written and received so that seems pretty cool oh yeah yeah and it's like if if Top Gun Maverick comes, I mean, everyone's going to see it, but when that comes out, if he's so, if he's well-received in that, which I, I just, I assume he's going to be, then it could lead to like a big revival in this and people going out and wanting to see, you know, what else was this guy in? Because like you go back to everybody once, um, it's, it's Richard Linklater and he did kind of, it's a spiritual sequel to Days and Confused and like Days and Confused had this big slow burn because, members of the cast then got very big after like notably McConaughey and you watch that movie and you look at Glenn Powell and it's like, Oh, he, he's the McConaughey in this. Like he could be, he could be next level. And so it, it could be that we get that. And then that leads to a big set it up revival. Um, it, you know, if it, if it needs it. He was also in the Guernsey literary um, and I, potato I peel society. So it's actually pretty cute. It's also, I think a Netflix um yeah it's on netflix it has lily james in it who i love i'm obsessed with i don't know whatever word you want to pick for that um and he was he was like the like fancy boyfriend um as she like you know <laughs> falls. Fancy, he's like the fancy. he's like the handsome american man from across the pond that's over in england that she's dating and wants to take her out to nice clubs and i like that he does even if he's like the guy that doesn't end up as like with in that one he was like the other guy um he was still like lovely it wasn't because he was like a huge asshole so I, like I, I appreciated that because again love him but yeah he's he's had this weird like he's kind of like hanging on the surface and i agree i think top gun is especially if there's the shirt he barely there's another volleyball scene is all i'm gonna say oh uh, see so. i like him in this one because with the haircut he looks exactly like a stock lego man like yes. almost a hunt. All I could think about when I saw him oh on screen was he looks like a Lego man made sentient. So, oh, that's so true. I love it. He does. The, the, hair shorts. Lego man. the shorts were so oh great. I know. I got. I felt. I felt very attacked. I'm sure we'll get to that. But the attack on short shorts for adult white men in this one was a pretty tough, tough time for your boy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's roll into best scene. So I'm going to roll through these chronologically. Um, if I miss any of your favorites, by all means, stop me. I, I want to start with the opening opening night in the office. I thought it was a really good exposition scene. It gives us it gives us a lot of what we need. Our characters are overworked and unappreciated. They're both very endearing, and we get that cute little battle over the dinner order that introduces it is essentially the, kind of like their meet cute. Like Caroline is an opener for a rom com. Where does this stack up? It's perfect because he's just enough of an asshole. Like, how would, would she not have cash? Totally willing to take the meal, like everyone for themselves. Um, but also not so selfish that he doesn't understand the situation that she is also in because it's the one that he is in and the creation of the truffle mac burger with kale. Um, and just enough of the like keeping the pickle, like I don't know. I just it's great and he the phone calls that they each make where they're like why can't it be ready in five minutes and then he's like on the phone with like the local grocer asking why they don't have wagyu beef infused with like sake or something and i'm just like it's perfect it's just super cute and they're frustrated enough that it's not overly like there wasn't any chem i don't want to say there wasn't any chemistry you know what i mean there wasn't any of this like flirting or hitting on or anything that was like over the top for if you're burnt out and tired and trying to feed your cranky boss like, you're not going to be like, hey, how's it going? Like, oh, yeah, we can split that. Like, whatever. That's, you know, that's me flirting. Good job, everybody. <laughs> it, it was pretty great. I appreciate that it was the meat cute in a movie where the meat cute gets vocally, like, represented and talked about later on as they're trying to set up their bosses. But also, like, watching this again, fresh eyes right now and seeing that frustration it is a very post-pandemic movie written pre-pandemic about two people that ultimately decide that they do not want to keep having to shovel shit here in the current environment that they're in. So it is really a great, great resonation movie. 
Like it is, it's aged so well in that regard. And we'll get into that into like the authenticity of just being overworked and underappreciated. Um, the next scene I've got is when creepy Tim stops the elevator, Titus Burgess getting essentially one and a quarter scenes in this because he gets the end credits too. He but, loves loving I mean, enclosed spaces. He, he had me at a succulent like so, Mike, I know you love seeing Titus Burgess oh. pop up. I, I I text Caroline immediately as that happened, and I just screamed Titus Burgess in that. Like I really enjoyed the incredible Kimmy Schmidt, so seeing him get some screen time in this. But the line that did it for me was when he received the succulent, and he was asked, well, "Like, isn't it kind of hard to keep? Like, how, how do you keep those alive down here?" He goes, "They just slowly die." Like if again, if anything was so representative of like the entire like theme of the people's feelings involved in all of this, it was summed up very well. Oh no, they just slowly die. Oh, it was so good. Caroline Titus Burgess. Oh, he's fantastic. Um, and just like the best thing was after because I will be honest, like I thought that this is one of the the elevator scene is one of the scenes I think they dialed up a little bit too much to thirteen. Like, did we need the guy like peeing and things like in the elevator? It did make for a funny line later when she goes upstairs and is like, oh, there was a guy from the elevator. She's like, not the delivery man. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> but, the, but he was so great. And at the end when they're like, oh my God, this whole thing was a mess. He's like, I don't know. Like I have trouble reading rooms, but even I know that went really well. Like <laughs> just delivered perfectly. Like it was just so great. But even before that, when they decided to like Cyrano them, um like when she was like charlie what is what does he hate and he goes jeff spelled with the letter g and sour cream <laughs> like that was one of the selling points of like of all the things that he hates jeff with the letter g but i just thought it was such a great like um the only thing i love more than love is love and enclosed spaces that was the that was the line from Titus Burgess. Oh, Glenn so Powell is so good at the like the snappy, straight face delivered quip like that because he's saying wow. it slightly like slightly humorous, but he's also his character is also serious. Like that's oh, also oh, something so that Tate does. He's so good. I I love when Titus Burgess like the the delivery guy gets in the elevator and they're like, "Well, we got to get him out," and he just goes full Leroy Jenkins and he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Nope, let's yeah. let's stop it." <laughs> Also, the best, like, this was really some of the early of their interactions, because she walks up and says, like, whatever code thing it was, like, so-and-so's in the barn or whatever, like, Falcon's in the... And he, like, laughs at her, and then he, like, leans down and quietly is like, Falcon's in the barn. Like, <laughs> uses the same phrase to, like, tell them that it's, like, good to go and everything. And I just thought that was so... Like, he does it a few... Where he makes fun, like, what are you doing? That's silly. And then, like, replicates it, because he knows it's actually cool. It just was so such a good insight. So good. Claire, Caroline, I'm going to clear the runway for you. The Yankees game. We had <laughs> we had some tough work from the announcer uh, confusing Andrew Benintendi with Rafael Devers. Yeah, I mean, it's just like my real only beef with the movie is that, especially for one that actually I think encompasses and encapsulates sports pretty well. Um, there's a few, like the fact that they really knock name, image, and likeness out of the park like years early and then somehow don't have anyone double check that they had the right people announced when they were at like in the batter's box is like mind-blowing to me but I just could not stop laughing as a Red Sox fan where it's like and up to that now Andrew Benintendi and it's clearly Raffy Taffy and I'm like guys what are we doing here like this is like he's the cute and then they uh 
like there's just something extra special to me that it was Drew Pomeranz on the mound for this game. You know, like Hollywood star Drew Pomeranz, like who everyone <laughs> thinks of when they think of the Red Sox is starting pitcher Drew Pomeranz. Um, so that was like in otherwise almost a perfect scene. Like that's why it's, I'm pretty much okay with like just laughing at that where normally I think that would be something that would actually bother me a lot. Where I'm like, come on, it's the wrong guy um, by like, like a long shot. Um, and it makes me miss Benintendi if we're being honest, but, um, but yeah, the rest of the scene, perfect. And the lead in, I've said, sadly to like, not that much recognition, which makes it real weird. Actually, the over dick around thing is something that I do constantly. Like it's a real phenomenon constantly. And so like, it's, and that's where I log into Zoom meetings early because I'm terrified of over dicking around because I'll like keep working on something and then I'll look up and be like, damn it. And I'm like five minutes late. Um, and so just for that one to be so perfectly encapsulated where she's like, I was so excited. I got here early and I went to the store and picked up a bunch of stuff and now I'm late. He's like, that, is, that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. For him to then later do it as he's like talking to some tourists and trying to go break up the weather, whatever. But um, just, and then... Well, anyway, I'll get Mike's take on that scene, but obviously, you know, my favorite line from the baseball scene, but. Yeah, no, I mean, over, over dicking around was what I did leading up to this podcast, cooking <laughs> sloppy joes in my kitchen. So <laughs> I was so excited. I got here early and then I over dicked around into this podcast. My favorite line from that whole scene as uh, Kirsten and Richard are sitting there watching that game is when, uh, when the at bat happens and all of a sudden, they both start shouting sports things at the athletes. And you hear Tay Diggs just shout, be elite. <laughs> I'm like, if anything was emblematic of everything we were going to come to know and continue to know about Richard in this movie, it was that line right there, where it is technically appropriate, but still so out of touch with the situation. <laughs> yeah. Mike, you're a guy who has had to wear a lot of suits into athletic events, not by choice because it's, it's the required work attire. Is there a more psycho choice for an outfit to wear to a baseball game? Like you're, you're free to wear whatever you want than to wear a suit out in the sun. Yeah. Oh, I, it, it terrifies me in a way that few things do. Like I already <laughs> think it should be a breach of conduct that for a Crew that just, I mean, when we call football games, we are on air for about 30 seconds in front of the camera. And yet I have to wear a whole suit the entire game like an asshole. I, I've never thought it made sense. It does not make sense to me. And so while I am always kind of hit or miss on the notion of like publicly wearing a jersey in other settings, like I think there's, you know, parts of that, this is its direct inverse and it is the much more uncomfortable one. Like at least if you're wearing a jersey in public, you're comfortable, you can spill on yourself, you can move freely. Nothing about it is suited at a baseball game, at a football game is functional or appropriate. I award them no points and may God have mercy on their souls. I'm just laughing because I can't not think of when he's like, why are you dressed like that? You're not playing. <laughs> and he's like, do you, <laughs> do you wear scrubs to the doctor's office? It is. Well, I mean, that's all, that's always the great argument for baseball managers wearing like yes. the, the, the uniforms there. So maybe an appropriate venue for this conversation. Oh, it just, and I disagree with him. I think it's like, that's when you wear, I would have worn what she was wearing, except never Yankees stuff clearly, but it just makes me laugh so hard. Cause it's just, again, like early insight into his character, but it's just the line that I absolutely 
loved and have loved like because she like one of the things we skipped over is <laughs> I just relate to her so much and this is the most embarrassing thing but her sitting there watching like old Nebraska football highlights and crying on the <laughs> sofa it's like the most me thing ever <laughs> like just having actually technically that's that's Nebraska football fans now was watching old Nebraska also football true. highlights Honestly. And crying on the sofa I literally watched the Purdue Virginia game on you like they have the full game on YouTube I watched it like three days ago like I'm not even kidding. Like these, this is still. I didn't cry. Thankfully, it was the middle of the day. I have it on his background noise. But like, I do that constantly. I'll like end up in a rabbit hole, like watching clips from like games that I enjoyed, things that were awesome. Caroline, I- I'm sorry I have to do this to you, but you have no idea how many times that after this year's Commonwealth Cup, I watched JT Price say they asked him why he was so emotional after the win, and him in like his gravelly like eating cigarettes voice say it's my school this is home that's it i've watched it a hundred thousand well that's me with the like highlights of the 2019 commonwealth cup you know what i mean like that's and that's where anyone who loves sports i think can really relate and as much as you don't want to admit it maybe but like yeah i've been there that's me i'll sit there and be like <laughs> watching this stuff and so I just really related to where she's always saying like, yeah, sports make me emotional. And she was like swiping through and was like, do sports make you cry? Any sports moment? I wouldn't do that, but still like, I got it. And so she's sitting at the game and he's like, oh yeah, I mean, let me get a picture of you for Tinder or whatever. Cause guys like girls who like sports, whatever. And she says, guys think that they like girls who like sports. What they actually like is a girl in a very tight sports jersey, serving them wings and getting the terminology wrong. Guys like girls who like guys who like sports. I think when that movie came out, there was just a co- the collective sound you heard were women that like sports going, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it just was a very, and again, this was just a very relatable moment. And probably one of the reasons that I overly love this movie where you just kind of like, there are these things that you're like, this makes sense to me. This speaks to me. It's like Mike with the shorts that we're going to talk about later. But <laughs> Yeah, that's a phenomenal piece of writing that yeah. that line and that delivery. Um, the next scene, I'm going to do a callback to the first episode of rom-com month. It was me and Alex and Felder. And we were talking about when Harry met Sally and the first moment that, that we, we kind of all deduced the first moment that they realized that they, that Harry and Sally realized they like each other is at the Met when they're, they're walking through the Met and Sally tells Harry, she's going to go on, you know, she's got the date and she kind of wants him to say, no, I don't want you to go on the date. He kind of wishes he could say that. Like they're both, that's kind of the thing. My my wife pointed this out. When we were watching that when they're redoing the project. When she when she like takes initi- initiative and she's like, we're gonna re you know redo this this project. That's that's their met moment. I think that's when I think we start to click because in in a rom com you have to have that moment of like when this is this is turning. They might not say it. They might not you know the characters might not try to date or do whatever. But there has to be that moment of when chemistry turns into legitimate interest. And that it's a small moment in the movie, but it's a really, really important movie moment in the movie. And Mike, again, first, first eyes when you saw that, that moment. Well, and I, I hate because it's so consistent. So in a very different realm, I'm watching all of us are dead on Netflix right now, the Korean zombie uh, series on there. And part of the tension in there between the love interest in all of this is you have two guys that are good friends. And then you have a guy and a girl that are like best friends have grown up together. And everyone thinks that they're dating, but they do the constant dislike thing. And then the guy's close friend 
ends up getting asked out by the girl and he finds out and that's when you see the tension. And it is the most realistic thing that any of these things do because we always have to see it going towards someone else before the lights finally go on for a guy and we're willing to admit what's good for us. Like it's the little bit of want what you can't have syndrome that lives in all of us or at least lives in me partially as I psychoanalyze myself. So as I watched that, I was like, man, like, they, they get that very right, but it is the best, most subtle way to introduce. There's almost like a look or the body posture just changes where you realize like he's mildly uncomfortable with the way that things are going and he's starting to realize why. I'm torn between that moment. Well, first of all, the project name was Magic Milk XXL, by the way, in case you missed that. <laughs> I did miss that. <laughs> Wonderful. <did> too. <laughs> Wonderful. Magic Milk XXL. Oh. perfect. Um. And I think it's that that gives you like the hint. And for me, the real selling moment is like the when he says he's going to go with her to the engagement party, I think is the other part where it's like really sells it. like and, and it wasn't in a way that was creepy or like that. He was like, oh, I'm going to try. It was like he saw a friend that was in need and like he could help out and they'd have a good time and like blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I think first of all the lemons thing was such a great project anyway i was like devastated for him when his projects got ruined because i was like this is wonderful but um yeah magic milk xxl was fantastic (laughs) well let's let's dive into the two parties then because it that it's the longest extended piece in the movie i think because we've got the setup at at duncan and charlie's apartment and then we've got the first party the 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 party with Suze, Suze and her people, and then the engagement party. So that that has a lot to unpack. It's like it's one set. Mike, I'll let you take it away with, um, you know, Pete Davidson comes comes for those shorts. He, he does. And like, again, another hallmark of successful rom-coms tends to be big name actors in side parts. Like, again, I go back to it because it's my foundation of rom-coms, but Keanu Reeves being the late movie love interest for Diane Keaton and something's got to give while maybe not at the height of his Keanu Reevesness yet. I think that movie came out pre matrix, but it was still this idea that you brought someone else in there to play this sort of off-brand part and him at like, and that's the other part too is, Pete Davidson and her immediately starting to vibe is another one of those like very strong indicators. Because again, as someone who is unsuccessfully dated into my thirties, your friends and family always know before you do and are much smarter (laughs) in reading that chemistry and things in a way that you do. And so that part was again, just beautifully played Pete Davidson occupying the exact right amount of screen time. Like the art intro to him of him sitting in the dark, being accused of having a guy over ultimately for there to be a guy over. Like they were all the perfect notes to set up what that character was going to be. And then the unnecessary attack on men wearing five inch shorts, which was popular myself and Adam and me are huge proponents of it. So skies out, thighs out, even though mine are very pale right now. I'm a big fan, but no, no issues. I I just laughed so hard because it was like, he's like, what's wrong with my shorts in the, Mike, you hit on it perfectly. The like him just be like, you're not friends. Like when the two of them like get cl- like are laughing immediately yep. and like all this stuff. And the same thing with like when they're playing beer pong and winning. He's like, stop that. Don't do that. You're not friends. Don't do that. Um, and absolutely correct that the friends see it first. Her friend, her roommate, her friend, her roommate, I think is an unheralded oh. star of the movie. She is Queen. fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, Meredith H- Hagner, Hanger. She was wonderful. Her her line about her dress for her party later on, which says slutty first holy communion. 
<laughs> no notes. <laughs> All of it with her whole speech where he's like, yeah, I'm loving this. And their relationship was fantastic. Like where she's just like, he likes Creed. Not and ironically. Not <laughs> and he's like, only their early. Which stuff. there are dozens of us, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias standing up screaming. Yeah. I mean, let's let's talk about the engagement party that from from the start, for one, rooftop parties, incredible vibe. Yes. Inc- incredible vibe. Rooftop I mean, just, with fairy lights. Incredible. And any band that's going to play Brandy, like. I was, I was oh, about to say, I, you lead into that scene. That scene, multiple incredible needle drops. With Brandy, wonderful. when we come in. Uh, sign seal delivered gets dropped. Charlie dancing like a complete white person. Mm-hmm. He was so good at that. Just, just like Bruce Lee. I just don't even know what's going on. I just, just stop thinking. Just nobody cares. Just do it. Look at all these assholes. You're paralyzed, and all of a sudden you get healing back in your limbs. The Becca's speech is fan just, it's so stunning. I, I was going to say, like, I, I am, so my sister is getting married in April, and I get to be the efficient for this wedding. And I am 100% planning on stealing you like because and you love despite. Yeah. Like, that, like, again, like, Rom-coms are supposed to, in a way that is almost unfair, encapsulate the way that we view love in a way that probably hurts us in real life. But my God, sounds freaking beautiful. And like, what a like wonderful, succinct explanation of what this is supposed to be when someone really is your best friend. He um, dresses like a stepdad, as you can see. (laughs) He listens to Creed. Just their old stuff. Non-ironically. Okay, they are good. Every single time he hears a siren, he goes, that's my ride. This is super fun for me, by the way. (laughs) And yet, oh man, I'm completely and totally in love with him. When I was little, my, my, uh, my grandmother, she used to say, you like because, and you love despite. You like someone because of all of their qualities, and you love someone despite some of their qualities. Mikey. <laughs> I like you almost as much as I love you, and I can't wait to marry you. <laughs> oh, it's such a good speech. He dresses like a stepdad. Like it's such a good speech. I literally remember all of it. Like those are all the parts. Like he dresses like a stepdad. He likes he loves Creed unironically. Like every time an ambulance goes by, he goes, Let's play ride. Like, <laughs> I just and he's like such a good sport where he's like, Yeah, I'm loving this. This is great. And it was cool too because that was the first time that you see Charlie interact with her friends. Like he's he has like she literally doesn't know who he is. She's he's like, oh, it's this golf guy. And she's like, no, it's Charlie from work. Hi, Charlie from work. Like whatever. I'm a slutty first comedian. I can't. It's so funny. Um, but he, the, the scene that they show where he's like loving the speech and looking at them and looking at that relationship, I think also says so much. Like it's such a like wonderful scene. And then him, the dancing scene is so funny. Not just because like the dancing's funny, because when he's like, okay pretend like you are frozen then you lose all feeling in your arm and he's like okay now you're just like one of those inflatable men outside of a car dealership <laughs> like still roasting and he's like you're nice to everyone except for me apparently <laughs> which 
it's just it's I just it's such a wonderful scene and then obviously it leads into I have to get pizza and the friend again she knows that it's perfect that they're perfect together and that this has to happen so she doesn't tell them that pizza's literally on its way to the roof like she knows that they need to go on this adventure together when the pizza shows up I was just like best friend in the entire world just incredible incredible she gets it yeah, I was, I was as soon as, as soon as she dropped that line, you know, like, you know, like in, in like love in spite of like that through the pizza part, I was just sitting up in my chair with full blown chills. I was like, all right, this is, this is everything like that to me is as we talk about like favorite parts, that is for me unequivocally the best part of the movie right there. And obviously like, you know, it's the Zenith. It's where everything else kind of starts and begins, but it, I just flawlessly executed so much. Oh, the pizza scene is to die for. Oh, I mean that that that's the thing. This whole, I guess, from when they're at Duncan and Charlie's apartment to at the end, back at the apartment eating the pizza, like that is essentially for me. That is like a, that is one whole running scene because that yeah. it's bang 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 bang. It's the same night. That is, I mean, perfect. This movie it covers. Them as a as a couple, they're not a couple yet, but like that's what we see them as. Cover so much ground, and Charlie's watching that great speech that Becca is giving, and you know, even if it's subconsciously, is evaluating what he has with Suze at that time, who he just left at that party, and realizes that's you know, Charlie knows that's not that ain't it. Like it's not he's not feeling the same. He also in the same way that uh that she bonded with duncan like charlie's bonding with her friends mike i know you've done this before i know i've done this the guy you meet for the first time in your hammer when they when they leave and charlie says the miss you already thing like i don't want to step on most authentic but like i have told so many guys that i met for the first time like oh man you're the best can't let's god we're getting beers next week let's do it the amount of guys that i have (laughs) left groups of my friends for met and shared Jameson shots with and ended up in like the attaboy arm hang with and invited to next day's event is countless. I, I have, I mean, that was probably the defining part of my twenties. It, it was, <laughs> and to the point where like, I didn't even realize at the time, like, Oh, this would be the most relatable because it just seemed like the most natural thing in the world. Like it, it, it is such a lived like I, I think Spencer Hall always like it tweets this uh, on Twitter, but like guys are awesome. Guys are the best. Like that was one of those moments where it's just two idiots coming together. Rip, like they're all ripping shots up there. It, it's just very, very, very perfect. And you know, Love the that. next time they see each other, it's going to be like the point, like, Oh, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the absolute best. It's so good. <laughs> I just- just with the and with the pizza scene like there are just so many they're walking along and everyone's like you know you get that drunk pizza and he starts to open it and she's like you're gonna let the smell out like i related <laughs> to that and then there's just something it's like so just when he gets the door he's like i'm gonna tell you something and it's gonna sound weird but just want you to know i want to fuck this pizza <laughs> yes <laughs> And she's like, I get what you mean, but don't ever say it again. (laughs) It's just like, and that's where I'm seeing like this movie is so perfectly written to me. Like, that's just like, I just get it. And it just fits for me. And it's completely absurd. But like that, it's just the perfect thing to say at that moment, even though you're like, normally in these rom-coms, you want, it's like this sappy, like, oh, and it's just perfect. It's perfect. Well, and it's what, it's what you say when you are with someone who, 
you had the foundation is the friendship first because then you can say all that batshit stuff then you can say all the <laughs> things that are really going through your head at that point in time when two people are like and i'm glad her friend calls it out of the party she's like you're drunk like we have established everyone has been overserved at this party <laughs> but i think when we talk about like the rom-com desire to go off the rails my 90s rom-com radar was going nuts when they were climbing the fire escape because if this movie was made in 1998 he falls he a hundred percent falls. And then the next portion of this is how they respond to that. And they just let them get up to the top and they let them go in and eat pizza. And they let them both eat it in very different styles that were not addressed and could have been addressed. He was eating it flat. She was going taco style and pinching that up. They were hitting all of the notes there and none of it had to be addressed because it was understood. And those were the things where I was like, all right, you could have gone the other way where that dominates conversation, where he falls off the fire escape and something goes that way, but you don't. You just let it all sit there. Like, like Kyle, to your point, you let it all be one continuous scene. It's like the one shot from True Detective where we're allowed to drink this all in at one moment. Very different from that, though. I got to make yeah. that abundantly clear. Identical scene. Yeah, identical we were, scene, shot we, for shot. Fewer meth heads in this scene. <laughs> the, we talk about needle drops. Like it starts with Brandy, then it goes signed, sealed, delivered, and finally we get that beautiful cover of "Come and Go with Me" as they're eating the pizza. This is the dining room. Careful. Thank God. Just choose it. And again, in another movie, they could have made the choice where that's where that's where they they finally hook up, and then we're spending the rest of the movie un, kind of untangling that. Kind of the kind of the when Harry met Sally thing of, of this happened. Is this going to continue to happen? Is this going to be a thing? And instead, the, the decision to part ways, we're still, we're not a couple. We're still, we're not even entertaining that at that point, yeah. which it, for this movie, really effective decision. Yes. Like really, it's, it's, I love it about this movie. And I, I guess kind of stepping on what worked to bring it into that, but that moment is so key in this, in that they're not a couple, like they're not even considering that really. I mean, they, they might be subconsciously thinking about it and, you know, and it, feeling in that way but they don't make a go of it until the last time we see them and i love that that it was all build and chemistry and bonding before actually deciding hey i you're the person i want to be with and i think that's where this movie is like fucking incredible incredible and they let they let for the great scene where she takes two pieces to go but crest side out because i'm a lady i'm a lady (laughs) again i love her so much (laughs) that movie did realistic drunk better than almost any i've ever seen yes it was and there's also this is again where he's so perfect where at the party when they're like filling up the shot glasses you just hear his commentary where he's like oh we're going all the way to the top okay no we we probably don't need new glasses every time but that's that's fine that's and you know it's like because everyone's been to that engagement party where they probably shouldn't be serving you shots or wedding whatever it is and then each time they like bring you like buddy just put the put the tequila back in the glass i just drank it out of it's really but like they are all fancy anyway i just love that that's like the running 
like oh we're going all the way to the top okay all right great yeah. <laughs> i think i just felt yeah. that it's just so good the interesting thing about this movie is so for all these scenes and i'll go back to like anything you know i've missed but it's really been all about them and there have been scenes featuring other people but it's really they're like this movie is the best when they're together and that's where yeah. that's where a rom-com hits when we've got we've got our solid pairing and we like seeing them interact with other people but when it's them on screen, like we're in heaven. The one, I think the one scene that I listed that is them, that that one of them is not there is the airport breakup. Just cause like Char- Charlie running to the, cause you, you wonder like, how is he gonna do this? And all he really had to say was, hey, he's cheating on you. Like he's still in love with his ex-wife. But instead he's just like, no, he's a, like he doesn't, doesn't like, he doesn't love you. Very, very interesting airport breakup scene. The best is the other. So there's that guy next to him that's like, "Yeah, honey, like yeah. Go this guy, go with the young one." And he's like, "That's not." He says, "She's a handsome woman. It's just not what's going on here." Like, and I just, because again, that's like the, like Mike has said, like, and and other rom coms. This is where they go with the with that moment, like you know, and it's it's him chasing down um harper going on a trip with golf guy or something you know what i mean like rather than it being him breaking up her and whatever guy that she might end up dating and telling her she's doing the wrong thing that he loves her it's him finding those morals and the judgment that we know he has knowing that he's doing the wrong thing and like okay it's not worth getting the promotion for and it's not worth screwing these people's lives it just and leading into that when he overdicked around and realized that it was a thing the I just again this is just more writing and delivery from Glenn Powell but when he says when they ask if the Met is worth it he says do you like stunningly beautiful art that makes you examine what it means to be human <laughs> then yes it's worth it <laughs> I just love it's oh, it's wonderful I love this movie it's so good uh, I mean I guess the the last scene is I mean Mike your thoughts on the the speech when they get together outside outside the office building Yeah I I thought it made a ton of sense like again it went back to the best scene in the movie that I already brought up before you know it it, it hit on all of that stuff like to me that felt like you know I don't know if there was anything that was going to do the rest of the relationship justice and that's why I'm almost like I went back and forth on ending it right there because again, so much of this movie had been about them. So much of it is this relationship that makes a ton of sense because of all the time set up. And so like some super grandiose entry exit really wasn't something I needed. I've like, as I've gotten older, kind of sort of gone out on endings like that. Like I don't need all the show when you've given me substance leading up to it, but I thought it was fair. Like I enjoyed that they very physically dressed him down to indicate that he is a temp now and he is not somebody's assistant and he is not getting promoted. Like I wear a bomber jacket, the universal solvent of male clothing, regardless of age, (laughs) because I am now doing a different job that is much more relatable and has a soul. And thus I get to wear a bomber jacket. So I think that was probably what I appreciated most about the scene. I, the line, it kills me every single time. You're not hard to get, you're hard to earn. And that's so much better. Oh, my heart. Like this movie is very well written. That, I mean, that is the written by women line like that. Like that's like, 
and it, again, it ties back into he told her earlier to play hard to get. And she has that whole wonderful like side thing about like that makes no evolutionary sense. Like you should want a caveman should want a cave woman that's keeping the cave warm. Like it shouldn't be go find me food and maybe there'll be warmth when you get back. And I just love that whole interaction. <laughs> um, and it's just like. Yeah, I, it's it's subtle. It's I maybe could have used a little bit more in the sense that like just ending it right there. Like I probably could have done well with like a little like montage thing at the end or they go to a party with his new best friend and her roommate, like whatever. But that line I think was just so perfect. And also he got to say, um, she serenoed us. I Googled it. I know what that means now. <laughs> Another thing that has aged well, recording this as a as a new Cyrano movie is, yes. is live. What what yes. what fortuitous timing. Caroline, is there anything in this, any scene that I missed that has an argument for Bessie? I think the best scene is kind of obvious, but is there anything I missed that you want to touch on as far as the scenes go? Um only a couple of the like funny lines, like just the I thought Lucy Liu, I thought was great. I thought Tate Diggs like so good. chewed the scenery. He was really, he was really working it with some of the like, bring me my laptop, like just really like over the top stuff. But his, his, my favorite line of his was the like, I can't get the image of barbecued vomit out of my head <laughs> <laughs> when he didn't know what the uh, Korean barbecue was. Um, I think those are all the scene where he's like giving her advice about the salamander. I also enjoyed <laughs> just like because it also that's where she's like are you um do you find him humorous or are you a psychotic clown like that's the one that's like <laughs> was a personal attack because as someone that uses a lot of ha ha ha's um <laughs> I felt that one in my soul so those are probably the only, yes super super relatable for me Mike, is there any scene in this one that can compete with I guess the the second engagement party into the pizza scene um I not for me, although I will say like in the subtle all-stars of this one, as we talk about, like, again, just how consistent they are through this. Like for Tay Diggs character, he's never going to change. And we go through that airport scene and then he shows up back at um, his and Pete Davidson's apartment. And he says, do you have the list of Kiki's likes? I want her back. And you realize like this guy learned nothing from that ordeal over there. And so when Pete Davidson throws the coffee on him, it's the perfect realization that like, all right, this person has no control over you anymore. He is showing no remorse. And so we get to treat him like shit and throw coffee on him. Like as far as sticking the landing on like that, that character's curtain call, it was good because in a lot of rom-coms, I think you can have people accused of being flat characters in this one. He is intentionally flat. Like as the rest of this sort of oscillates around, he's that middle flat line through that we get to kind of judge the rest of this off of which is wonderful yeah the when i first watched it i i rewound pete davidson throwing the coffee on him multiple times yes yes do you still work for this guy no because i also like the when she goes back into the office to talk to lucy lou and she's like i couldn't find julie in my contacts and she's like me you made me change her to satan oh yeah (laughs) Like those are like the subtle lines that just kill me every single time. Oh, well, that's when you talk about best quote. There's so many, there's like, there's the ones we talked about. Like there's, it's probably in the speech or it's in Glenn Powell's speech at the end, but there's so many funny, like funny quips. Like when, when uh, Charlie says, Rick, he tried to fire a mailman today. <laughs> He's a simple servant. 
Oh, wait. I, I just realized, too, in, in, in like a moment of clairvoyance, when you ask for scenes that may rival the second, um, the second party, when we get them back in, um, in Harper and Becca's apartment, when she's finally like lost her job and been in there, uh, again, especially as you know, people that work in like you know content, whether it's written, whether it's verbal or anything like that, when Becca is beating her with the pillow and telling her to stop, feel sorry for herself, and write something bad first because it's the only way you're going to get better. Like I legitimately going through my laptop the other week found one of the first podcasts I ever did after college for like a very small website with one of my buddies from school and I listened back to it and it was so clunky and it was all of these things, but you just have to do it. And it was again, like one of those, like very, like, first off real friendship moments where you get someone that comes back, drops everything that they're doing. And it's like, we have to assess the damage here. But then it was also like the perfect advice for the industry that we're talking about, which is something we all understand here for her wanting to be, you know, for lack of a better term, a sports writer, like, you know, it's, you know, sort of, sort of more around it, but it was that like, yeah, you have to stop being afraid of being perfect right when you start this. That to me was just, you know, again, very, very natural. It was a very good reminder of what a great character Becca was in that and and just, you know, really sound advice. Well, if we want to jump into the most authentic part of this movie or like the most authentic, least authentic parts that Becca's whole, like her walking around yelling at her laptop, like all the self-doubt, all the self-loathing, like the, you know, I've been working on this for weeks. I have written it, whatever. Like all of that was like, oh, hey, that's a mirror. That's me. I I do (laughs) that all the (laughs) process was a little too close to home. and some of the Like stunning like same thing mike like i i went this was like last year i re-released the first episode i ever did of the show with like with commentary and like a two minutes in i i put in a clip and i was like i don't know how anyone ever listened to this. this is the worst thing i've ever heard in my entire life like it's just that everything that that becca is going through trying to write that article was just like holy shit that like again, they absolutely nailed the creative process, especially the early stages. Yeah, I just thought, and honestly, I'm trying to think. You know, I haven't worked as like an assistant to a powerful work person yeah. in New York City, but I feel like there's a lot of the, a lot. I thought the relationships were all very not just like Charlie and Harper, but the friendships, the like you guys talked about the the immediate bromance, the roommate relationships, the you know, I just thought that was all really, really well done. Um, well, and to that point too, in the very beginning, and like I, I kind of glossed over this, even remembering it, but when Becca and Mike get engaged, and Harper goes, "We're too young to get married," I was like, <laughs> as I was watching The Bachelor the other night, listening to the thirty-two-year-old on that two-year-old on that show admonish the twenty-three-year-old for not being ready to be married. My thirty-two-year-old ass sitting there, like, "Yeah, she's right." I was like, "Wait a minute, Mike." all of your successfully married friends did so at like 24. You're a moron. Of course you can be ready for that stuff then. Well, and she also says she gets mad at him at one point because he says, like, oh, she says she's never date had a boyfriend. And her basically, she was like, oh, my mom had me at this age and I've never had a boyfriend. And he goes, but you're a whole adult. And she's like, don't you dare say that. You take that back. Um, so I thought that was all. 
that's like what Mike was talking about is like this movie is for our generation because our generation deals with a whole lot of that of like our yeah. parents had us when they were younger. They like things were different. This is very much the millennial, like the quintessential millennial rom-com I would say. Yeah. Cause he's also struggling with the idea that he's a, an assistant at 28 or 29, whoever he was. And now he's a temp at 28, but with a cool bomber jacket. Um, but it just, I think that is probably, there's so many things that this, there's so many rom-coms where it just feels so over the top. Like, and that's what we like about rom-coms. Like, that's fine. Um, but this one, there were so many moments where you're like, I could see this actually kind of happening or you have lived those things. Like there are actually things in this movie that I was like, yeah, this actually feels pretty close to life in a lot of ways. Um, and I appreciate that. It's also scary and sad and awesome at the same time i don't know all the feelings at once by the way you mentioned the bomber jackets and i know we brought this up before is like again i call it the universal solvent of male clothing it doesn't matter your age color creed <laughs> they're so you great can, you can wear bomber jackets are bomber jackets the male sundress because at the end of the movie like we do the rom-com thing in this where for her character we have her in glasses with her hair up to start and all you have to do to make him see oh my god this beautiful person's been here all along is literally let her hair down and take glasses off like it is the standard rom-com formula for beauty that then goes supernova at the end when she throws on a sundress which is always like this thing held up and so i'm wondering if bomber jackets have become the male sundress as far as like this thing where you go oh wow that person put that article of clothing on i'm gonna notice them a little more oh, shit i think he just like blew my mind <laughs> might have just cracked a code oh my god we're onto something <laughs> i think we're, we're onto something. something um i will throw out one more perfect glenn powell delivery at the very beginning and tay diggs is saying like all right tell kiki she can set herself on fire and he goes, <laughs> if she calls or <laughs> like, should I call her specifically to do this? <laughs> I just so, had that one written down and had to, if she calls or. Yeah, there's so it. many, there's so many quotes, like aside from just our, like a big speech, like, uh, you move what like Becca a says. <laughs> <laughs> so she's the janitor. <laughs> Like literally everything he says is so funny to me. Wait, how about when intern Bo gets called pencil dick and he's like, <laughs> pencils can all come in all sizes and girths, so no jokes on you. <laughs> so so good. God damn it. Oh my god, I love this movie. Um, <laughs> as as far as the author, I think I think kind of like what Caroline was saying, and that like this movie seems like all like all of this could happen. Like we're living, like the authenticity is such a strength. Caroline, is there anything that jumped out as like the least authentic part for you, at least realistic part? You mentioned the elevator. Is there anything else? <laughs> um, I don't, because I think part of it is I've never had a, a boss that mean. So that to me is like, I don't know if that's like, you know, I can't imagine an exec would destroy their office like that, but maybe, um, but that's like nitpicking at this point. Like, um. You never know with rich assholes. Yeah, rich assholes just like, have a, a different standard of, of what's <laughs> acceptable. I have I have one that I wanted to throw out to you guys. Charlie and Suze have been dating for three years. Charlie's been because Charlie's been stuck in this job for you know three years. He's been I don't know if they've been dating for three years, but I, I think there's something around that timeline. As long as he's been in this job, long hours, doesn't get to do much, doesn't make any money. Suze is hanging out with that like a crowd of hot successful people. 
I don't think Suze and Charlie are still dating. I don't, I don't see that no matter how, listen, we all love Glenn Powell. The, I, I just felt like there's, there's no way they're still together. Like she I'm finds like, a Glenn so Powell authentic. with a good job. What do you mean? It's Glenn Powell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think there's part. And she says at one point, like that he's the backup, right? Oh, when he breaks up with her, um, which again, wonderful scene with the comparison to, she says, this is the best meal she's ever had. And it's this very sterile, fancy, expensive, small servings meal. And it's the exact same thing that Harper said, eating the $5 pizza, sitting on the floor drunk. Um, but she says he's her backup, whatever. So my, most likely to me in my mind, she's probably also seeing other people. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, but yeah, I can see that. Like she's a, well, and we don't know what her meteoric rise has been like as a, as a supermodel. So maybe she, maybe they came up together and she's recently become, I don't know. <laughs> Well, the, and the only real clue we get in all that is her making mention at the recital thing that she, you know, booked some special shoot, but also when, um, we see, uh, Zoe and him dancing earlier and she said, you let a 23 year old walk all over. So then we find out the age gap and all of this, which I think is kind of important context for that one. My only unrealistic beef with that restaurant scene, by the way, is the fact that one of his complaints about the restaurant is it's too quiet. That is the best thing about any restaurant, especially <laughs> a highfalutin douchey restaurant that you're going to eat at because the amount of like highfalutin restaurants you go into where the music's way too loud and it's way too dark like nah 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 buddy being able to see each other and hear each other that comes at a premium when you were paying out your ass for food it's a huge <laughs> asset huge asset not having to not having to scream over the music um rolling into what worked and what aged particularly well we kind of hinted at this the the main villain in this movie essentially being bosses, employee treatment, overwork, capitalism. Like this is going to age like a fine wine. I think like that being this, and they, they set it up so perfectly in that first scene when they see a lot of people like dealing with shit from their bosses and they're, but eventually they get out, you know, working for the weekend, whatever they go see their friends. And we've got these two stuck in a, in a very toxic work situation that they feel like they can't get out of. That is, Again, this movie thrives on authenticity. That is very authentic for many people in this workforce and many people who are leaving their current jobs and realizing that as an employee and as a person, you have value and deserve good treatment. Like, I think this looks a lot better in 2022 even than it did in 2018. Oh, yeah. I, I, that's To me, like, I, I didn't even internalize when I watched this that the movie was from 2018. Like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a movie written about right now about like the changing relationship of a particular generation with the notion of like what work and what a career is supposed to be. I hadn't even thought about that. That's it's such an interesting and accurate representation. I think I was mostly, again, I, when the coach from whatever generic university came in to talk to Lucy Liu and was like, Oh, um, are you sure like come on hey we're you're making it sound like we're getting rich off the backs of these athletes and like i was just like oh my god <laughs> this, is, this is amazing <laughs> they can make money now like and it was that was the idea that she wanted to you know push forward and get out there and I, um so i think yeah it ages i think it's aged well in just a four-year span but honestly in a four-year span where a shit ton has happened that has changed the way that we perceive work and working environments and now i'm thinking about like 
what those types of relationships would be like in a situation like this. I'm also listening, reading audiobook, whatever. Um, Station Eleven right now. Um, oh Christ Almighty! The, the series, the series was devast, uniquely devastating. Oh, yeah. so I can't. And, and, I'm actually and Caroline. I'm, you can still, you'll still be able to watch the series and have because of. I, I didn't read the book, but I did. I, I listened to the creator, listened to a podcast with the creator, and they changed some big things. So yeah. you can still oh, okay, good. watch oh. the series like freshly. It is, I would argue, a massive change in the plot element that they did very naturally because I listened to the same podcast that you did, Kyle, and it is it is excellent, but both can it's it's kind of like Silver Linings playbook where the book and the movie are very much unique properties. And so yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Cause I'm a little curious. And I've only got like three and a half hours. I'm like on chapter 40. And there's a point where I'm like, how is this all going to, like, where are we going with all? And so part of me is just like, I wish you'd just go with the, and I don't know why I would want a story about a pandemic right now. Anyway, this is so completely far off base. I don't even know where I was going with it. But just the idea of like how we consume content now, I think is going to be forever different. And part of that is um, like now I still watch stuff and I'm like, oh, they're all so close together. Like, yeah. well, wait, what are you doing? Oh, that's right. That's normal. That's how life used to be. So I think, yeah, they they do such a good job. And I don't, I just, I don't think that it's one that's going to age out of anything. It doesn't rely heavily on technology or some sort of gimmicky thing throughout the story that's like technology heavy. That in five years will be like oh, they're using pagers, like or whatever. So I, I really think that they did a good job with them authenticity of the whole that is really interesting to think about like the fact that again and i know we've said it like multiple times about the movie really just being about them but like i had a, an offensive line coach who was the best coach i had and we never used shoots or a lot of special bags or any of those things it was like we are not going to do anything that is not going to be directly seen and felt on the field type thing like all of the movements are going to mimic that and this is like the movie version of that where you can strip it down and this could have happened with these two people at any time were it not yeah. for, I think this, you know, certainly some of those finer notes of it, but again, all of that's just authentic to the game on this. And I, I don't know, like, especially just watching in the last few years, it's like, regardless of industry, we have all watched friends who either because part of this was, you know, the, the layoffs and the furloughs that were a part of this, whether it was just, you know, getting through the last couple of years and looked around and kind of gone, is this really it? Because when we get the jewelry shop scene where they're both kind of attacking each other for the first time, they both know enough to hurt the other. And both of them are basically those things of like, and it's not to say prior generations were comfortable with this, but it was more this idea of you did the work and you didn't say much about it, or you got to the place and you just stayed there. And now all of a sudden you've got a generation of people that because of their parents, because of how they were raised, were told they could do anything and be anything and have to like confront the way they did in that jewelry shop, that reality of, is this all you want to be? Like, is this, and that's, you know, it's, it's not a knock unless both of these people clearly see more in the other. And that's, again, like something I think we've watched all, I mean, and I, you know, maybe I'll just speak in personal. I've watched a lot of friends, you know, in front of them, behind the camera and different jobs deal with that same thing and decide, no, I'm just going to launch into the other side and see what happens. So that's, you know, as a through line, it is by far the most realistic thing here. I think they both deal with imposter syndrome. That's also extraordinarily relatable. Like when he says to her in the jewelry shop, something along the lines of like, 
you're only in this job because you're too afraid to write and actually try it out for yourself. Like again, good Lord, personal attacks. So, you know, it's just as someone who like takes the chance on, and again, not an attack, like he was right. And it's sometimes like the stuff that you don't really want to admit that you have to hear, but like her not thinking that she's good enough or not thinking that she could even do it to get the feedback that she wants to go after these things. And I think that is also something that is extraordinarily relatable to a lot of us with not thinking that you're good enough or something. <laughs> and, and I'll, I'll, I'll overthink this even a little bit more, but with like, with Lucy Liu's character and all this, when she goes with that stock line of, I've got to be really mean to you because this industry is going to be really mean to you. And while it's not the chief reason that Harper offers up, there is this notion that like, no, I don't exactly have to deal with that dynamic anymore. Like that's not out. Like there is a school of thought that yes, like you've got to kind of go through that fire, but we're also seeing a change in how that's supposed to be perceived. And I think part of her saying, you know, I can't come back and be your assistant is also rejecting that dynamic that we saw as a part of the movie. Yeah. And the movie lays good groundwork and for us feeling good about the decisions they make. And still it gives us a few, there's a few different times where it gives us reasons to root for Kirsten enough like when she's talking about you know you're profiting off athletes like that was obviously i think a point point in her favor for most of us um she has some some legit some decent conversation like the conversation about having to be hard on you and stuff like that like well-intentioned enough like seems authentic enough whereas tay Diggs, like rick is full of shit like that <laughs> that dude doesn't he doesn't care about anybody else he's just so it feels good that for us that that Charlie just walked away from it all. It was like, I'm going to figure out something I actually want to do. Like, we feel good about that. We also feel good about uh, Beck or um, Zoe, you know, deciding that she's not going to come back and be the assistant. But we feel comfortable that Kirsten's going to work with her on this because we've seen that that person actually has some 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 decency in her. And the movie laid the groundwork for that because it could have do done the it could have done the same thing for both of them. It could have had Tay yeah. Diggs show up at his apartment and be like, you know, I was wrong and you're going to, you know, you know, yeah. I'm going to give you this promotion and we're going to, I'm going to set you up and we're going to make all this worth it. And then sometimes like the shitty thing about life is sometimes like shitty people, you, you just have to, you have to cut bait with them and do, and do the decent thing. And yeah. that, that's something like Charlie has to swallow some tough medicine and like, yeah, I kind of wasted these these three years, but I'm going to, I'm going to do the right thing. And like shitty people are going to go on, keep being shitty. Like Tay Diggs probably isn't going to regret anything about how he treated Charlie, but that's just something that's fucking part of life. Unfortunately, like <laughs> shitty people, shitty people are shitty. This might be too deep. We might be like really dissecting this at this point, but I think there's also one Kirsten saw the value that Harper brought to her job. Like when she came in she was like, this place is falling apart without you. Like, I think that was also an important statement to be like, I recognize that the things that I did not give you credit for, like that she can't find someone in her phone because she made her change it to Satan. You know what I mean? Like, these are the things that she did like as, you know, as her assistant. But there's also a line earlier, I think it's actually in the meet cute where she's like, look at you, you can just get your lacrosse stick. And if this job doesn't work out, you just go on to the next one because you're this, you know, nice looking guy in this business industry. And it honestly ends up being a little bit of the flip like it, he didn't get that upper hand like he had to make that choice to walk away and put himself in a worse situation um that i think it's just again this is probably the me being like 
a woman wrote it. <laughs> well, but like, I, I think we kind of get that on both ends, like an acknowledgement of like how these power structures affect everyone differently because the whole notion and it gets addressed in the airport with Kirsten is like, you have a powerful woman who has been largely single because of her career ambitions yeah. who says I could have been in, you know, I could have been thrice divorced at this point, settling for a guy that looks good on paper because she might want X, Y, and Z things out of the relationship. And like, realizing that like that's a part of this that like tay diggs is never going to have to reckon with his biological clock he is never going to have to deal with a lot of those things that are a part of again like i, I know none of this from personal experience other than gleaning some of it from like you know successful women that i am fortunate enough to be in the orbit of who you see sometimes have to grapple with this stuff and grapple with the things that come with like being powerful and respected in what you do and the unfortunate consequences that sometimes has in this field that like, thankfully she got shook out of there before the end. It's like, no, just because like he looks good in these other aspects, like doesn't mean you deserve to end up with a douchebag. Yeah. 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 The good people end up recognizing that they're good and they're worth something in this movie. Yeah. 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 Which is, which is very valuable. Like even if the endings for everyone are pretty, like, would we have liked to have seen Charlie like find a good job? Like we would have yes. liked to have seen him be more than a temp. It's okay. He's going to go to flight school. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's going yeah. out to Nevada. <laughs> yeah. There they were inverted. I'll get there... for a podcast that I'm doing. I'm flying by watch. Over here. <laughs> podcasting, podcasting is a visual medium. Is there anything about this movie that didn't work? Is there anything glaring? Just Benintendi is not Raphael ben, Yeah, the Ben the Benintendi thing. That was That's tough. It. That That's could have been fixed me. easily. Yeah. Then let's let's roll into the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character, which is as stacked a field as I think we've ever had on this show. You could argue that anyone except for uh Zoe and, and Glenn Powell are eligible. It's I mean, you've got Pete Davidson, you've got Tay Diggs, who looks like he's having a blast. Like he like Caroline said, chewing up the scenery. Uh, Meredith Hagner is Becca, just a oh. just a goddamn amazing friend. Um, Lucy Liu, just fierce in this one, just so good, dry humor, and Titus Burgess making the most of of one and a quarter scenes. I'm going best. I'm going Becca. I'm I, I'm going taking Be- my girl Becca. Yeah, Be- Becca would probably be my first choice, but if I had to go second off that one, Titus Burgess is great. But and, and I just had to look up his name. Jeff Hiller, the waiter at the Mexican restaurant that they twice <laughs> dine and dash on when she goes back down there and sits down to write. And then she says, I don't have any cash on me. And he says, leave this place and never return. I was just like, what a flawless use of your screen time in both yeah. instances. For I him. saw that your phone didn't ring. Yeah. <laughs> Not what you're doing isn't technically illegal, but we can all agree that this is a gray area. Oh, it was just so good. So yeah, him and yeah. him and Titus Burgess both occupy a really great space. So Titus, I'm a sucker for post grad scenes. Yeah, uh, Becca Meredith Hagner is Becca. Just she's incredible. Like from the engagement party, the when she you know she even understands writing and like you gotta. She has she has the quote that I wrote down. The uh, you need to stop feeling sorry for yourself and just write something bad. We all need to hear that. At some yeah. point, like I also just love their friendship when she's making the like hand gestures, and when they like first come over, and she's like, "Oh, since she had sex with him in the bathroom in the Acela," and she's like, "You told him that?" She's like, "I tell him everything." 
we had to avoid everyone that you had sex with we never go anywhere i just it's just like that she's great the relationship's great oh she's my babe we haven't talked about the the pete davidson scene pete and charlie when they're talking about um he's talking about like you this is why you have a girlfriend like this is what your your girlfriends should be like it's it's really good like he Pete, it's funny Pete Davidson giving dating advice about your girlfriend being your best friend right before he goes on. What we're witnessing now is a pretty legendary run of relationships. <laughs> like it's very interesting. Yeah. Of, of has Pete that Davidson aged well or like, aged poorly? Ah, uh, I think it's I think it's aged kind of well. Just because yeah. like it's like I think he's a bigger star now than he was then. Yeah, I, I think it helps this movie that he's that, but he's also not like problematic like he's not gross i don't think like yeah. we just like pete davidson he's just out living life well and i think it works well because i think the last meme i saw about pete davidson was like hold the go- hold the door for your girl or pete say pete davidson will do it for you like it was something <laughs> it was something along those lines it's just like yeah no that is that is pete davidson in this movie well and they also yeah. have that great interaction where he was talking about getting one of his students art in an art show and he's like, and he lives in a homeless shelter. So hopefully this will help him get into that magnet school. <laughs> Charlie's like, well, I got a waiter fired for dripping condensation <laughs> on his pants today. So <laughs> we're all out here doing good. Becca's the pick. I, I can't. I also, I just, I just want to give credit to how funny Tay Diggs is in this great drunk performance when he yeah. rolls in drunk, great, great drunk performance. Um, and the, the one subtle thing when he finally lets Charlie eat at that fancy club or whatever, and he holds up the lobster and goes, the food here sucks. Yes. <laughs> He's holding up a lobster. Also good. Just he great as the out of touch rich guy. Um, big chill, the big chill for this one. I I think like in, in rom-coms, a lot of it is like, you know, the scene where they get together, like that's what it is. And there's something about it's Mary the with the, the New Year's Eve speech, but it's yeah, the it's the pizza. It's yeah. absolutely the pizza. Pizza just a, a flawless flawless rom-com moment yeah so, so <laughs> he won't let her oh. carry it up he won't let her carry it up the ladder to her hands are too small yes it, it just all of it the tension in that entire scene because like you said like they can make the friend's decision to let like you know ross and monica or i got ross and rachel excuse <laughs> me get together in that one and then everything changes after and they don't and it's it's cool it's great it's cool. mike with the fresh eyes how would you improve this one um so the one thing that I always go to in these movies is I'm always wondering what like the conflict point is going to be. And we very clearly get that with them in the jewelry shop based on, you know, you know, uh, Tay Diggs infidelity, which by the way, like for a guy to be that sloppy about it, I mean, again, to be that rich and powerful, you figured he'd be a little bit better at it at that point, but I digress. Um, I wasn't sure if either of them would actually be that cruel to each other in the jewelry shop, if that makes sense. Cause like it, it hit really hard in there in a way that was maybe the only thing that I was like, and like, again, like I know they both work high stress jobs, but neither of them ever seemed really capable of like cruelty. And it bordered on that a little bit. And that's always the thing it, to me, it's the hardest thing to do in these movies is create realistic conflict. And you could argue that again, you know, Tadig's, you know, infidelity and all this and how it came up, the calendar thing. Like it, I had to suspend disbelief a little bit in that one just to keep up with it. But that was the only part where I was like, you know, m- maybe there was something that was a little more authentic to the two of them in that argument. Caroline, how would you improve this one? I think I just don't need the 
I don't need the peeing guy in the elevator. I don't know what it is about that scene. I just, it's the one where I'm like, please. And everything else about it, I love, like Titus Burgess. But no, I think, I just really like this movie, obviously. I've said that a billion times. And I think they just do such a good job of making a timely and... I won't go so far yet as to say like timeless rom-com. Um, but I think it has a good mix of like the characters are relatable. There's just enough like raunch to it where it feels realistic. Like it's not either so on the raunchy side that you're like, yikes, that's a lot. Like that's not how they would talk to each other in a workplace, like with jokes or whatever. But then also like just enough that like that's how friends interact with each other. Um so yeah, I, I think that's the only scene that really sticks out to me is like one that was like out of place. Um, otherwise, I love it. I think it's wonderful. No, no. By the way, speaking of scenes that were slightly out of place and inappropriate <laughs> at the beginning when they're going through like all of the assistants doing things and the guy is mid-sex and says, I'm coming on the phone. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. Like, yeah. Wow. I was like, Mike's going to start this movie and be like, what on earth did Caroline tell me to watch? <laughs> be like, just don't worry about it. It's fun. Yeah, just breeze, breeze past that guy. Yeah. And the, the urine on the desk. The only really improvement suggestion I have is just something that I, this might just be like a, like a, a fantasy wish or something that I, I would have loved to have seen, but like following the post credit scene or the, the mid credit scene with Titus Burgess, it's just like, a shot of them at Becca's wedding, like something quick, oh. like 45 seconds at Becca's wedding, them, them together as you got to assume yes. they're going as dates would love that. I would also love that. I would love a short. That was them at Becca's wedding. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that would be awesome. Before more restore last category, prequel, sequel, remake, obviously prequel makes no sense. A sequel, you know, you'd love, you'd love to see it. I don't really know how much more like you could dig up for set it up too, but it, I would love to see this pairing in another rom-com yeah, at some point. Agreed. Yeah. It's it's an automatic day one seeing it for me. 100%. Yeah. Although, man, now now that you said it, set it up to the streets sounds like it would be great. <laughs> Dance battle movie? Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what he ends up going on to find. Like, you know what? I was really destined. Now, it wasn't flight school. It was dance. Yeah, if yeah, oh my god, I'm so excited for Top Gun too. I cannot even tell. And that's I will tell you, this will be my like confession section. I didn't see Top Gun until I was actually in flight school. And it's hilarious because that's actually why a lot of the guys that I was in, and mostly guys, there were probably a couple of women that decided to go to flight school because of Top Gun. But we were right in that time frame where um it was like peak, either your parents watched it and loved it. Um and so then you watched it growing up or whatever. And so a lot of people, either one, they accidentally joined the Air Force because they thought it was an Air Force movie. It's not. Um, but there were so many people. So I finally watched it and I was like, this is like, what? Tom Cruise is a dick. <laughs> Maverick is an asshole. Like, this is the guy that you want to be. So it was like extra funny. But like, obviously, it's just now, it's such, I think it's more of like a cult classic for me. It's not one that I'm like, this is a highly well made and regarded movie. Um, I had a buddy that used to study in flight school to the goose dying song. That was like his intense, like we knew he was in the zone, like he not to be disturbed because he had the goose dying song on repeat. Um, but I just like, it just, I cannot wait to see him in this movie because it's going to be absolutely ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I just, it's a wonderful movie. And I think I would see anything with the two of them in it. 
Really? I think the big question with Top Gun 2 is if they do beach volleyball again, are the guys wearing jeans? I believe in the first they one, are. They're wearing jeans and beach volleyball. And that like, I'm a, I'm a very much like a touch sense. I don't like messy hands. I don't like sand in the jeans is a full blown nightmare for me. Also, if you're in, well, so they're in, they're in like Reno, Nevada, basically outside of Reno. That's where Top Gun is. Or like, Top, I've actually been to the Top Gun school. I not in Top Gun, but I did training that was like co-located. Um, so I actually have like a light pink koozie with the Top Gun, lo- like the weapon school logo on it. It's awesome. Damn. <laughs> That's sick. Damn. But it's like, that is the last place that I'd want to wear jeans to do any sort of physical activity, like have fun, you know, because it's just like so constricting, makes no sense. It's definitely something that we all did at flight school. We're like, this would like some beach volleyball on the guys. <laughs> You know, this one's for the boys, and like so. Even in, oh. <laughs> even in, I just so, throw on my Wranglers and bump set spike. That's yeah. so good to know it mattered enough for you guys to do. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so, and it's also funny too because it's and that movie is just so permeated like all Navy stuff whatsoever. Because um, when I was in undergrad and we had like big cis week at the sorority, my I got my buddies from RADC because we had the white uniforms. I had like five or six of my best friends put on their whites and deliver a basket to my little and sing You've Lost That Loving Feeling. <laughs> wow. I was like the best big sis ever. But it definitely, and that song is sung at every single Navy wedding, 100%. Like they serenade the bride to it. Like I'm, t- I, yeah it's wow it's awesome i had had no idea it ran that deep that's honestly like very exciting yeah it's uh it's it is a thing that exists and it's it's fun like then i won't go there's no way that tom cruise would be back at top gun like you you don't just sit around and get orders back that's not how the navy works like you don't just like get to go back as a command like it doesn't you know it's not like we'll do this like but whatever that's where you suspend disbelief and like you just make it work. <laughs> By the way, if anyone is equipped to make a quip about the genes, it is Glenn Powell. Like that seems like if he is involved in that, like get to be involved in that volleyball scene, he'd be the perfect one to sort of like break the fourth wall on that quickly. Yes. And he, he is involved in that scene, by the way, because I have slowed down the trailer to be like, is that Glenn Powell? <laughs> Doing the hard hitting journalism. So you don't have to. Because like I don't see him being going like I mean we're just we're just going into the weeds on Top Gun two here as one does in rom com. This is a bonus episode. You don't see him being like Val Kilmer. Like I don't want to see Glenn Powell be a a major dick. No. So I, as I understand it, this from the loose you know multiple trailers that I've seen is main guy Miles Teller was his name Miles Teller is Goose's son. Um and then. Glenn Powell plays like his buddy. So he's, I, I think he's going to be very quippy, very like good guy. Like, I don't think he's ch- air chomping at him like Val Kilmer, like Iceman. I think Val Kilmer actually has a cameo. Um, I think, I think my sister told me that. I might be making that part up now, but. Um, I, do, I do love the idea of Glenn Powell just getting to like kind of Dan Levy this thing and just be Glenn Powell in every movie yes. that he's in from here yes. on out. I'd yes. be, I'd be so, guys, 
please go watch everybody wants some like it's wonderful it's it, i mean it's it's great glenn powell and it's it's a really great movie like if you like days of confused you like everybody wants some it's it's great and he told me it has um budget ass cap from falcon and winter soldier in it and that i won't oh, hate him in this that i won't Wyatt hate Russell. him in this yeah because he was like why russell's great and i was like mm. You'll, I still it'll, have it'll a lot bring of rage. It, it'll bring it. It'll bring it back for you. Um, Tyler Hawkins in it, uh, who's also in Palm Springs, which we're we're talking about next week, and which Mike Mike is going to be watching tonight. Um, folks, guys, this was great. I appreciate you both. You know, chime, Mike, I appreciate you watching this one today and, and joining us tonight. Uh, Mike, where can the folks follow you? Uh, at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter and Instagram right now. And if you've got a job for me, check out the LinkedIn. <laughs> hire a guy mike caroline where can the folks follow you you can find me at cw darney on twitter and you can go follow bet for the win at bet underscore for the win on the same website give us a follow get all your good betting content um and you can find the content at bet for the win as well and if you enjoyed this episode of big screen sports please remember subscribe wherever you get your podcast rate and leave a review one more episode of rom-com month next week that's palm springs good gang of people on for that one returning for that one uh episodes out every monday if you want to support the show go join the patreon uh, and if you're a baseball fan go check out my interview series from phenom to the farm that's brought to you by baseball america great interview dropping tomorrow with former big leaguer jordan pacheco that'll be a great one we'll see you next monday thanks for listening Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.